0: Hey there, podcaster. It's Charlie here from the Business of Podcasting, bringing you another episode, and it's a very special episode. It's the first episode of 2020, and I thought, what a way to kick it off by bringing on Joe Fear of the Hustle and Flowchart podcast. Now, Joe is someone I would consider a top one percenter in podcasting. I truly feel that he's one of the pioneers that's really pushing podcasting forward for a lot of businesses. Now, when Joe had come on the show, we talk about a lot of things, but in particular, the thing I think is most valuable on this episode is when we talk about how to get the big names on your show, and the strategy that Joe uses on his show Hustle and Flowchart is quite unique. I haven't seen another show do this, and it's using their Dream 100 strategy, which is very impressive, and I think something that can help every podcaster. We do talk about some other topics though that I do also think offer a lot of value. One of them is how to work with a co-host in interviewing, and also how they kind of manage that dynamic of people. So, it's a co-hosted show interviewing someone else and some powerful stuff in there. And then the next component, which I think always offers a lot of value, is how Joe's thinking about podcast growth. So, that's growing your audience and it's also expanding your reach and then also how they actually monetize their podcast. So, a lot of really powerful strategies and tactics in this episode. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know in 2020, I'm actually personally writing a weekly email that helps people grow and monetize their podcast. So if you would like to get an email from me each and every week, head over to Podcaster's Edge and please download or jump on that list from there. So Valor Media website, I'll make sure we do put a link to Podcaster's Edge in the link with this show, but it'd be nice to have you on that list and interact with me a little bit more closely. So let's head into this episode now and you can hear much more from myself and Joe. Welcome
1: to the podcast, Joe Fear. How are you doing? Thanks, Charlie. It's great to be here, man. Thank you.
0: No, thank you so much for uh, getting this to happen. And I think we've had to reschedule a couple of times now, mostly due to babies. We both had
1: babies. (laughs) We had Halloween babies. How cool is that, both of us?
0: (laughs) Just absolutely crazy. I would actually love to know the odds on this. Both me and Joe had kids on Halloween and then had to reschedule these podcasts. I find it hilarious, but hopefully we aren't raising little devils. (laughs)
1: so far i think we're both good we're chatting we have like the calmest kids so knock on wood let's keep it up
0: (laughs) i'm actually scared of this i'm like maybe something's birthing within like this is the build-up but no we've both been very lucky and i think fatherhood is treating us both well but nonetheless i'm thrilled we've got this to happen now for our audience that doesn't know joe is the other half of the dynamic duo of matt and joe from the hustle and Flowchart podcast and i just feel very privileged to have these guys on of course i'm a fan of the show and i just think what they do is excellent now i'd love to open this up joe and just really bring it back to the idea what led you to podcasting and teaming up with matt
1: yeah good question we go way back matt and i do so we're almost like brothers we never had like biological brothers so we almost uh, treat each other as such which is really fun so him and i started way back at his family's uh interior shutter company it's like a factory with wooden shutters very boring stuff but um, we worked in the office and did some blogging some content marketing that's what got us into thinking about online marketing as a whole and how to profit from our content development. Um, So it didn't start with podcasts, but podcasting, I think it was maybe two years after that point. And um, we definitely did not have any systems. We didn't have a plan. We didn't know what we were doing. We're just like, let's talk into a microphone. And I think our first uh, episode was actually in his... Living room with really horrible mics. It was like propped up with two mattresses. I don't know why there were mattresses in his living room, Um, but (laughs) that was Matt's place, not mine. And but that got that got our wheels spinning of what's possible uh, with podcasting and just getting content created. That's we've always been content forward. We just love to kind of talk about what we learn. And that was the... I would say that was the, the beginning of everything. Is our curiosity. We've always studied other smart folks. That was in the heyday of product launches in the internet marketing space. And through those times, him and I, both Matt and I, branched off and did some other types of things in business. I did a lot of connecting with big influencers. I did a lot of their video sales letters and stuff. So I was doing a lot of graphic design, worked with my team, had like a little mini agency, and uh, that's and Matt and I, you know, Matt was doing more of the the info product and list building type stuff. So we've we've always had different skill sets, but we've always helped each other and kind of done this in business, like sometimes together, sometimes apart. But we've always supported each other. And uh, about it was actually three years to the month now we started Hustle and Flowchart. Um, after those, those previous podcasts all pod faded because we had no plan. so <laughs> pod fade fail uh, don't do that but yeah hustle and flowchart now that's that's our 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 baby together in a weird way <laughs> but, like we always joke about this is like that's the thing we love the most uh, it's three years now and it's opened up so many cool things and him and I I don't know there's some interesting dynamic that, it feels natural to us, and people seem to enjoy it. So we figured, let's keep it up, and it just keeps growing. And it's kind of like an addicted thing. An addictive thing to have is a podcast, and it kind of feeds everything else in our business, which is really fascinating.
0: It's so interesting. Um, my wife made an interesting joke. It's like she's like podcast has almost become like being vegan or doing CrossFit. Um, she's like, it's a bit culty, and I'm like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it is
1: fantastic. I've never heard of it (laughs) mentioned, but she's right, yeah.
0: It was an interesting observation for her, but it's kind of, you know, relating back to your story there. It's like the start of podcasting almost reminded me of like ham radio. It was Mm. like these little like guys in their basements with uh, mattresses stacked Um, and it was just, you know, getting out there. And it's really in the last few years turned into competing with radio and Mm. probably bypassing radio in many areas as well. And it's turned into that juggernaut. Now, I just wanted to quickly touch on, um, just for the listeners who don't know, could you just tell us a little bit about the Hustle and Flowchart podcast? And then I'd I'd love to dig into some of the specifics you guys are getting up to.
1: For sure. Yeah. Hustle and Flowchart is, I feel like that is our place to just get super curious with folks and connect with. People in our network and people that we've always wanted to connect with, and so it's it started off as so. So I guess the the reason we started is we wanted to give our best content away for free. Uh, we were selling a lot of courses at the time, and uh, we were doing affiliate marketing, which we still do. And but we realized like we most of our best stuff was behind a paywall. Like we didn't we had to charge to we didn't have to, but we were charging to deliver really good content. And we just there was a point where we actually looked at our income and we're like, wow, about 70% of our income is coming from affiliate marketing. And that's all part of our list building efforts and that's all follow-ups. And we've always done a really good job at being the cool guys that just give away a lot of interesting tips and refer people to a resource that they should know about. And that's pretty much our MO still to this day. So we decided to literally close the doors of all of our paid um, info products. We honestly we don't feel like there's a there's a lot of longevity to that if it's just content online, unless there's like a you know a hand holding element, a personalized piece, and mastermind and event. That's all totally cool. But we we just chose to we just want to put it out there for free. So that's where the podcast started. And it started small just with our network, um, you know, and then kind of kept snowballing from that point on. And it, it became addictive because we're like, oh, wow, people are really wanting this. And we noticed in the marketing space, not many people really put a lot of focus into a podcast. It was kind of like an afterthought. We're like, what if we actually just went heads in on this thing and made it our big focus and we talked about it a lot? because typically in marketers or business owners they're not really talking about their podcast too much it's kind of just a, a blog you know it's just kind of there so um, we wanted to flip all that and that was that was really the the thing so now it's morphed into hey let's give our listeners a perspective from some of these influencers they probably have read their their books or you know seen them on TV or whatever they might be buying their products let's get some of their their story out of there, but get practical things that people can try in their lives. While Matt and I are here, you know, we kind of know a lot about a little or a, <laughs> a little bit of, uh, about a lot. You know, it's kind of like we have a breadth of knowledge. So we could talk the talk. And I feel like that allows us to ask pretty good questions of these folks and it gets them to really open up. And we just really haven't found another show that does that well and keeps like a really fun conversation that's. Engaging and you know, now it's not as marketing focused, that's how it started. It's now moved into more like self improvement, talking about even things about stress and anxiety for entrepreneurs and how to deal with and cope with that. So, uh, and then we, and that's a chance for Matt and I to actually do solo episodes, we call them therapy sessions, and that's kind of like where Matt and I will talk about the good, bad pretty much anything. Like I talked about, uh, my father passing and then two weeks later having a baby. It's like,
0: the put it all out of there.
1: yeah, it's wild, man. And still it's, but yeah, like it's, the more that we put just everything out in the podcast, it feels good. It took us a while to really get comfortable in doing that. Uh, but Oh my God, it connects with almost everyone. That's where we get the floods of emails. Um, you know it makes selling anything <laughs> easier as like a byproduct because we are the guys that people can connect with and i think that's just where we like to operate so that's pretty much the show in a nutshell is just giving folks a really fun time but then also giving them a lot of actionable things they can give they can give a shot try it out and, you know we have that newsletter that we were talking about on the back end so it's kind of like we just want to save people's time With uh, so, if like they don't want to listen to actual podcasts, they can get these notes on the back end and kind of distill all the information and uh, check it out that way. So, it's a really fun thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll be honest. I'm I was a fan of your show even before I got into podcasting myself. I actually Mm. uh, a friend sent me a link and said, "Hey, it's worth having a dig into." And I think when I look at your show and why I perceive it is successful is the dynamic with you and Matt and the line of questioning. Like, I've found that when I listen to your interviews, the quality of the questions and then your guys' ability to not only, like, ask a deeper question, which is really common, but then to go, hey, what are the three things that someone that is new to this or what's the process to this type of thing where someone can get an improvement, that was really unique to me. So, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to dig deeper into that. How much planning goes into that dynamic between you and Matt and the pre-work to the episode itself?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And um, so it started off as a lot. <laughs> and uh, we would actually map out question, very specific questions and print them all out and have almost like a, you know, a couple pages that we both refer to. Um, and then over time, I feel like we just got more of a cadence and we figured out what kind of questions that Matt and I both individually prefer. So we both have a different Angle of every conversation that we're in. Um, he's a lot more analytical than I am. He, Matt asked some of the best questions, very tactical questions, strategy, like you just said. What are the you know? And he'll extract these processes out of our guests that I'm just like, oh my god, I'm like I can't believe we're getting this for free. And you know, podcast listeners, our audience, or that's why we have notes. It kind of spurred us. Like, okay, we have a lot of processes here. Got to package it up. Whereas I'm on the other end, I'm I'm more of a guy that will can I'm the dig deeper guy, I guess we'll say, you know, like I'm I'm pretty good at jiving with any topic, but I'll like to go deeper if it's surface level. Um, I like to I'm just curious, like I'll dig more. It's almost like a yes and yes and kind of thing. And Matt's typically the one where he'll maybe take it another direction or get very specific about a certain thing. So that's where the dynamic um, is now. And I feel like Matt and I just have a good cadence with each other over the 3 years. I mean, and prior to that, uh, almost 10 years prior to that, we just know what what uh, kind of veins we like to stick within. And so now our prep for the shows, uh, we probably prep, <laughs> I hate to say it, but only about maybe a 30 minutes or so personally. But we have a note taker that does extensive research online and gives us About two or three pages of notes on every single person with links to check out the resources books all that stuff so we definitely study a lot uh, but we have some help from our from our friends (laughs) that we hired and so but any books like if there's a book sent our way which happens pretty often um, if it's enough in advance we'll definitely read that and be prepped that way Um, but yeah I'd say once we open up a little bit more time in our days that that research phase will probably go double or more. We'd really like to research more, to be honest.
0: It's an interesting topic amongst podcasters because, I mean, you and Matt seem to have, like, a wealth of experience now, which makes that easier. Um, mm-hmm. But when you, like, starting out, like, what were the things you felt were, like, most important to conducting a great interview? Like, did you intentionally go, okay, when someone asks a question, I'm not going to let them get away with surface stuff. Like, any surface answer, I'm, I'm in. Is that how you approached it, or was there any training there?
1: The training came in the form of of watching a lot of, or you know, watching a lot of videos, uh, studying good interviewers. Like um, you know, Howard Stern's a great interviewer. Uh, just uh, we both we both love Joe Rogan and his style. So he he really is a cure It was always curiosity for us, uh, not so much of a hey, uh, ask the best questions kind of thing, but just dig deeper into whatever the topic is at hand and. Like you said, we've, we've, I feel like we have a really good amount of experience that we can talk the talk. So we know enough to uh, you know, focus like Facebook ads. Matt will, he knows enough to be very dangerous with Facebook ads. So he knows, like he'll ask a budget question where I'm like, I'm not the Facebook guy so much, but he'll he'll dig in deep into something that he thinks is very important that they might have glossed over. And, you know, I'm on the other end talking about maybe it's a a bigger strategy or a bigger vision or even self-improvement. That's where I'll start going deeper. And so I think it comes from experience, to be very honest, rather than specific questioning.
0: That's really interesting. Now to shift it up there and you've kind of uh leaned into this a little bit already your show notes uh i would say next level i think your show notes should be the Mm -hmm. aspiration of many shows i'll even admit i've looked at your show notes as a comparison point to my own and gone like are we meeting this as a standard Mm -hmm. how did you guys go about deciding to hire a writer and effectively not just do a transcript and leave them for dead (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the transcript thing. We from the get go, we thought we're like this isn't really serving people so much. I mean, yeah, I, mean,
0: <laughs> I, I have something prepared for this. Just one second. We <laughs> died of rest. Awesome. <laughs> the transcripts. I, I mean, I understand some people obviously download them and stuff, but I just cannot work it out. I don't see where the value add is.
1: You're right. I mean, that's and the only value add I could see from what I've heard from others. I'm I'm not in this camp. Is Hey, I read faster than I can listen. I'm like, eh, I don't buy that, but that's why we have a speed up button. But at the same time, hey, whatever. So it is. Um, but yeah, we don't do transcripts. We did for a little bit. We'd experiment for SEO purposes. But you know, like now. Nah. So what you see now over at Evergreen Profits, which is where everything lives, um, yeah, the show notes pages are, are. They've evolved over time over the years, of course. But now we see them as a mini sales page for the episode. So really all we're trying to do is intrigue people enough to hit the play button. Or maybe if they don't hit the play button, they opt in for the notes. So either one of those, because some people just jump to the notes and don't even listen. And that's okay. That's They're still getting the content in a different format. So if you look at our notes, yeah, there's usually like, a, there's definitely the featured image, but then it gets down into the, the quick intro about the person, And then typically it gets in, I think it's a quote, and then it's bullet points that are more like open loops than anything. And it's the benefits of listening, but also we're not giving it away in the bullet points, which a lot of folks will do. And then they'll say, okay, timestamp to this specific time for that thing, which um, we've never done. And maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But we almost like we take the marketing approach, the sales page writing of the copy approach. We're like, let's do intrigue points, and it, we don't. It's hard to track data with all this, but I really feel like people like that a lot more because it gives them a reason to hit play. It might be one of those bullets are enough to stand out. And they're like, okay, that sounds great. You know, even if this topic wasn't anything on my radar, I'm interested enough, and. Uh, that's it's really it's a really interesting a
0: point. I mean, um, I'm in the same camp as you. So uh, bias preaching, I think, is dangerous here. But yeah. I very much felt like the purpose of the show notes is to drive curiosity to the point of someone wanting to listen to the episode. Like, if you were going to look at the goal of show notes, it's get someone to listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's what yep. I, that's what I want from them. However, it's like it feels like there's almost another camp, um, and I'll mention a name who's been very successful with this: is St- uh, Stephen Spencer.
1: Uh, Uh where he's
0: a great guy, really great guy. He's been on the show. uh, His episode might be out when we're recording this. I'll have to check. But his show notes are like a standalone piece of content. You could read these show notes and like you would never need to hit hit play. Now, he's an SEO wizard and got a lot of other things going on, but it's like there's those two camps. And I feel, I don't know, there's a little bit of confusion about like how do you show notes effectively? But Mm. the data isn't fantastic for me either, but I do certainly feel that I would want my whole ambition is to build loyal fans of the show it's yeah. not having to read it
1: yeah and that's that's exactly right and yeah Stefan, he's he's definitely the seo ninja he's the probably the best out there that i know um so i could see his lean into that uh whereas which is interesting because our shows our, our number one driver of traffic is seo so it seems to be working somehow too so
0: it's oh, i mean the there's, debate starts
1: <laughs> no 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 I mean, I, hey, it's it's whatever works best, you know. It's for everyone's different, and we just choose this route. And we're fortunate that it is getting picked up in SEO really well as well. Um, I'm sure there's way more factors than just the page, of course. You know, um, our website was a lot around longer before the podcast was. yeah, yeah, We can go to SEO rant later. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> well, it just kind of feels like you've got to pick a peak of camp. It's like the mistake here is like not having intention with your show notes of like what you're looking to achieve from them. Because then mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh, I'm upset I'm not winning an SEO. But then, right. oh, hang on, I'm not driving downloads where it's like, well, what's, what's the objective here and kind of commit to a path.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but I'd love to almost jump topics here. And uh, I'm just mindful of time. And then also that there's so many things we could talk about. But I know one of your strengths and what you guys have done unbelievably well is really attracting high quality guests and then interviewing yep. them really well as a caveat there based on our prior methods. But how have you approached guesting strategies?
1: Yeah, guesting. So guesting is absolutely crucial to kicking things off for us. Uh, we've That's I think in our top four traffic sources as a whole is uh, going on other folks' podcasts and Just giving value, just doing what we would normally do on our own show, just talking about, um, you know, it gives us an opportunity to almost like sharpen our own uh, tool set a little bit, you know, sharpen the tools in in a line of questioning like this. So I think it's great for anyone to at least dip their toes into it, uh, even if they don't have a podcast of their own yet. And, So guesting and also even just bringing people on our show, it's it's all about the network and, you know, expanding, not only expanding the network, but just talking to folks in the network, getting referrals. that's that's kind of my mo every single day. Is like, okay, is connecting to someone new, asking for a connection, or looking for someone specific. Yeah, I mean, we have a whole strategy for our own show. But uh, what do you what are you thinking on the the guesting part that I can dig well, into a little bit? I'd deeper?
0: love to. Uh, I'm curious even to that. Like, how much time per week would you spend in the mix between either putting effort to getting on shows or even yeah. finding guests for your own show?
1: So to get on other shows, it's it's not a lot of effort to be honest. like once you get the ball moving, it kind of goes, which is really cool. Um, so we we are in a lot of groups where podcasters kind of know each other. So once you know a couple of podcasters, it's it's pretty easy to get a referral to another. So I'd say. We lump it, like when we go on a show or or when someone goes on our show, we're always asking for referrals. Like that is our number one driver for connections and expanding our network. So we have a list. uh, It's called the Dream 100. It's uh, the spreadsheet that we created. And one of our mentors, Roland Fraser, one of the, um, the founders of Digital Marketer, he was the one that suggested this to us. He was like, hey, make a list of the top 100 people that you would love to connect with and, and just make that public. Share that around to the folks that, that you know are pretty connected and, and see what they can do with it. See what kind of connections they can make of that. So that's, that has actually opened up so many doors to bring folks onto our show. And then from there, it usually turns into, "Hey, you should come on my show," or "Hey, there's a really good podcast that you should be on. I'll connect you guys." And it's a very organic thing, but you almost have to like set the the wheels in motion with uh, some kind of process. And and this one's a little, it's kind of automated and it's kind of manual. I can go through it if you if you're curious. I'm, I'm
0: super keen, and I'd also love to know how many of the Dream 100 have you interviewed.
1: Oh my god! I think I got to do a tally. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't counted in maybe the last couple months, but I would say at least twenty five ish, right around there. It's a mix. So the Dream One Hundred. Let me, let me line it out here. Is um, it's about half. I would say twenty five percent are like this, the the moonshots. You know, those are uh, Elon Musk, uh, Richard Branson, people like that. Please tell me Joe Rogan's on there. Of course he is. <laughs> Um, and we have a connection. So we're, we're working that connection, even though I know he doesn't like to go okay, on shows.
0: Say nothing <laughs> if Joe Rogan's coming on the show. Just, just to be-
1: <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> uh, um, one day. So yeah, so about 25% are like the untouchables, but they're really not untouchables. Um, someone knows them. and uh, And then the other side are about 75% of people that we think are about one to two connections away. And what really, what really popped in my mind, and this just reminded me, actually, when I said untouchables, which is not true, Facebook used to have this um, like number of degrees of separation, how you are connected to anyone in the world. And I ran mine. Since doing this, they've taken this feature away, like years ago. I don't know why, maybe a security thing. But it showed like I was more connected in a weird way than. Some of the execs in Facebook, like I was, I think, two connections away from like President Obama at the time. I was like, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> this is getting weird because that means I could probably connect to anyone I want on this planet. So the Dream 100 almost allows that to happen. Uh, so what we do is we create a Google spreadsheet and specifically Google spreadsheet. List all the names, you know, one to 100. And uh, on the top, I like to have a little section that says something like, hey, here's what this spreadsheet is, what it means to us, and kind of a call to action for anyone reading it. And that link will put that inside of our our signature in our emails. So we use G Suite, you know, Google property to send all of our emails. So what that does for any other Google email user, it will automatically put that link and actually make it look like an attachment to the email. Did not do that on purpose the first time I did that. Um, I just noticed whenever I was sending emails, that thing was just attached to the bottom. I was like, hmm, okay, I can automate this and almost like strike a little curiosity in people. I'm like, hey, what's this attachment? Click.
0: You you got me. (laughs) 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 Because it takes up more room in the inbox and obviously the sheet is there. It looked really different to any other email. So I looked at it straight away. I'm like, oh, what's this?
1: Yeah, there it is. And and that happens to any, like most, I would say it's about 50% of our guests. Whenever I tell them their episode goes live, that is, and definitely when they go live, you know, when I'm telling, say, you, when your episode went live, I definitely call it out in the email and say, hey, do you know anybody on the Dream 100 list? Click here. That's a standard one. But uh, I would say any kind of follow ups, I mean, 50% of folks that, that we follow up with will make a connection or at least they'll, They'll inquire about the list and maybe they won't know anyone on there, but they're like, hey, but I know these three people that you should really know.
0: So it's almost like it's an opportunity pot. It's not that you might land someone on the list, but it could be three people that sit to the side of the list and a great like icebreaker to have that conversation.
1: That's it. That's it, man. And that is 100%. Okay. 98% of how we fill our show. I mean, the other percentage are people that are usually, you know, maybe a podcast broker who's like sending someone that's really good. And we're like, oh, okay, got to have that one. <laughs> but so most of our, our network.
0: Yeah. So from a takeaway from here, if you're a podcaster and you're saying, look, I really want to up my game from getting guests, then really creating this Dream 100 in G Suite, attaching that footer and then having it just become part of a lot of natural flow is a great way to kind of open up more conversations. And then as a caveat, anytime anyone's episode goes out or anyone on the show is making sure they see it or pointing them to it to kind of extend that introduction line.
1: That's right. That's it. It's as simple as that. And then it's an automated thing. Whenever you send an email, it's always there. I think it's just the first email you send, not the replies and all that, which is nice. It won't you know clunk up the emails too much. The chain... Uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty automated way, automated but not automated. Like I was saying, <laughs> it's really cool. Ah,
0: uh, that's. I mean, I, I always love it when we can have an episode where someone much like your show can like take action, can go, okay, if I do this one thing, can I get closer to the result that Joe's achieving here? And what what I love about this one is, um, might take you a couple of hours to write out your hundred, but start with fifty if that's where you're at. But, that's right. but really it's like this is an implementable strategy to like massively up the acquiring of guests or even getting on other shows through those conversations
1: yeah that's it man and yeah it doesn't have to be fancy ours is not pretty looking at all it's just a plain jane spreadsheet <laughs> It does the trick
0: yeah. well i love that google will handle the formatting and the hosting <laughs> makes it nice and easy but i will say because it was a google sheet um my trust factor to opening the link Was extremely high as well. Like it wasn't like a dodgy Mm -hmm. attachment where Joe's been uh, had his account taken over, and it's like some sort of you know spammy virus or malware. It was like the Google Trust Factor. Yeah, Yeah, it, it adds a little bit to it.
1: You're right. Yeah. No, I think it's it's interesting, and I've not seen anyone else do that. But that's when we coach people, or when we you know go on podcasts. I'm more than happy to share it because I feel like that a lot of folks just feel like their networks are a lot smaller, or they're not they maybe they're not comfortable to reach out so it's like hey let's let's leverage technology a little bit and open up some curiosity on the other end i mean i've never had one person complain about an attachment to an email i mean that was i think that was my only worry around the whole thing i was like oh is this gonna look like i'm just like you said maybe maybe spamming someone or just be like what's this attachment thing like, No.
0: No actually, I, th- I thought it was an accident and I was like, okay, is this going to show me who their next 100 guests are? Like, that's <laughs> what I actually thought. I'm like, oh, this might be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. curiosity got that. the better of me.
1: <laughs> I could see that happening too. I didn't think about that. But as a podcaster, yeah, your curiosity is there. You're like, hmm, what is this?
0: through the roof now I want to again shift gears um, because like I feel like that's a very viable method but something in more recent times I don't know how recent this is but you guys have kind of branched out from just working on your own show to actually work with other podcasters now and help with strategy and a whole bunch of things when it comes to podcasting one of the things I picked up is your cap method which has been dropped on a couple of your own episodes what I'd love to hear is uh, one how are you going about this cap method and what it is? And then two, how you found working with other podcasts and I suppose what you've seen work across the board and not only in your own show.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. And, I would say the CAP method. So it's three steps that we've kind of identified. And sorry, it's getting dark. I really should have a light right here. <laughs> I just noticed I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're perfectly lit over there, Charlie. Um, <laughs> sorry, wait, I'll turn my lights down. We can get dark together.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, no.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So the CAP method is so it's C A P. So we've identified that if you can do a handful of things correctly in each one of these things, then you're on your way to having a pretty successful podcast. And from there, you can just build up. Uh, But the key thing is when working with people, it's like they just need a simple framework to follow. And then from there, just that momentum really carries them further. Uh, So the C of the CAP is the create phase. And that's all about keep dialing in the systems. Um, Well, actually, before all that, it's the intention of the show. You even mentioned it earlier. Is having a key goal, why are you even producing a podcast in the first place? Uh, a lot of folks, like you were saying, it's like, ah, let's just get a podcast out there. You know, a third out there, everyone has a blog, everybody has a podcast. everybody. Or they have
0: eight goals for their show. It's like, right, yeah. I want this to generate leads and I want a million downloads and I want yeah. all these followers and I want to be on Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, it gets wild and a superior lack of focus.
1: Totally. And so keeping that focus is key and... And ours was, hey, we want to create amazing information for free. And we want to bring on these guests. And and kind of selfishly, it was for us to connect with people that we didn't think we could connect with. So in a weird way, that was our goal, our intention of the show. Uh, Now we just realize it's taken on a life of itself. So it's fine. Um, So the goals can change over time. So the create phase is really nailing that down so you have a focus and then building through the systems that you need, so you have all the the tech and all the production stuff, and having a good show flow, I would say, is key. So we we're talking about that. We have a really conversation focused show, which is what we prefer rather than a um, you know an interview. Some some interviews are very just question answer question answer question, not a back and forth like we're doing here. So. Having a format that jives to your personality and the goals are key. So that's there's a lot more to the create, but I would say those are the biggies right there. And then getting into Amplify, which is the A, that's the marketing behind the show to bring listeners to your show, is identify really just a couple of things that you can do consistently to amplify your show on... All sorts of different channels that you're comfortable with. I would say always start with things that you're comfortable with. Don't try to start something brand new. So for us to start our show, it was basically our email list. So telling them when the podcast would go live and then our network. So referrals, asking the guests to share and also just our our network in general on um, social media and whatnot. So we, we really picked those two to get the ball moving. And then from there... We have something like 20, 30 other strategies that we we always experiment here and there. But picking, I would say, a couple that you're really comfortable with and leveraging audience pools that you already have influence over that you can kind of call on them to say, hey, here's what I got for you. And that's that's kind of- It's really interesting.
0: I mean, I'm sorry to interject, but I'd love to dig a little bit deeper here. Is From what you guys have seen, and this is what I've seen, a lot of people when they get into podcasting, in that marketing component we will try and do like 10 things Mm. in the beginning. And it's a bit of a game of he who chases two rabbits catches none and they do 10 things really poorly. And then they're really tired from 10 new things. So it feels like when you're working with a show, it's like, you know, picking the ones you're most comfortable with um, so that you can expand on or hire into rather than trying to do too much is one of Mm. the like critical components here.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's, that is absolutely critical. Don't try to reinvent something new. Podcasting, it's just content marketing wrapped up in a different thing. And, it, you know, it's not like a foreign object, to, you know, to, to market. It's different, of course. But at the same time, just stick to what you're comfortable with and, and figure out the audiences that you can control. I think that's key. Whoever trusts you already show that to them, show the podcast to them. And more than likely, they're going to share it around or at least give you good feedback and um, promote it a little bit here and there. So that's what Amplify, where I'd focus. And then the last one is profit. So actually making money with your show, either directly or indirectly on the show. And so we did a survey recently to our list. There's about 1,000 different podcasters who responded and 85% of them said they make 0 from their show, $0, um, no income at all. Uh, I must say, I'm,
0: I saw the results of this interview and you guys posted uh, online. Was this result shocking to you? Because I was really surprised.
1: Yes and no, <laughs> to be very honest. Because the only reason no is we've been to about five different podcast conferences now. One of them, we were on stage specifically talking about how we monetize. And we actually came in with a game plan of like, all right, we talk about affiliate marketing, selling your own products and this like crazy strategy that people, and they're like, no, 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 pump the brakes, hold on, slow down. People just get excited when they sell shirts and hats and swag. It's taste all over
0: again. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm just like, and we're like, wait, hold on, but that's not how you make money. That's just branding. Like, we'll just give those away. Like, that's fine. It's a cost of like five bucks a shirt on principle, you know, like. Okay, like we do that, we sell swag, but so they actually had us modify our presentation to really kind of really make it simplified because and people lost their, they literally were blown away when we told us, I uh, told them that our strategy for selling print on demand shirts and different swag. So it's interesting. I think there's a paradigm shift. They got to figure out like, no, you can actually create a really good business behind your content you're producing. Yeah. You know, Cause a lot of people are stuck in the sell shirts and go to Patreon and make money that way. And sure, you can make a lot of money in either one of those, but you need a lot of people as well. And well, it'd
0: truly have, it's my least favorite monetization strategy. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Same. (laughs) It just seems like a lot of work for very little payoff. I mean, do you feel the same about that?
1: 100% I do. Yeah. So we we still make most of our money from affiliate marketing. And that does not happen directly on the show. That's from us. It really goes back to when we started our show 3 years ago. It's just being really cool, having good conversations, giving a lot of good value, growing the trust. And then all we're doing is taking them from the podcast, bringing them to an email list in one of many ways, maybe on the show or on the show notes page or however we follow up with them. And then from there, it's our emails that really make that sale. And so it might not be direct. And that's where I think the disconnect is for some people is there's actually a process. If you kind of start to think about it, you're in the trust building phase on the podcast. They're not necessarily in a buying phase. They're just there to learn listen to someone that they trust that they like maybe they're still getting to know you and eventually they'll carry on to the next step if you allow them to and that's where the money's made
0: isn't isn't that interesting i I wonder in the networks and pools that we hang around in like internet marketing is i was doing before i was doing podcasting like an email list isn't a new thing to me at all or you (laughs) but i wonder for people that are just getting into it that perhaps don't have that internet marketing background. It's like they've missed a whole piece that we take for granted that's helped us connect those dots.
1: It could be. Yeah. And that's, that is a big, um, it's a mind shift because the, the key thing that we always say is like, you need to own your audience. And what we say by that is you need to be able to control the messages you send to them. And one of the, the things actually, we made a conscious effort when starting Hustle and Flowchart is we don't want to rely on iTunes. It was iTunes at the time. But uh, we don't want to rely on them for our promotions, for our discoverability. We want to take matters in our own hands. And we we can trust in our email list and our network to help us really grow this thing. And so for the first year and a half, maybe close to two, I don't think we showed up in iTunes at all, <laughs> like anywhere. But we were very successful. Um in terms of the downloads were always increasing and the money was being made on the back end and that was successful in our regard. And now we are showing up into iTunes or Apple podcast now, and we're putting a little bit more effort into that now that we've established our foundation on the parts that we can control. So it's really interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, apart from like your podcast, your website and your email list, essentially you're renting everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like It's You're right. <laughs> people are are not often happy when they make that discovery, uh, not naming any major social platforms. That's um, true.
1: Yeah, you have no no control there really, at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> but looping back to that then, um, with the results of this survey and seeing why so many people aren't making money from podcasting, do you feel that in podcasting there's this big idea of like just focus on the downloads, just focus on the downloads and the subscribers, and there's not enough intention or strategy? or it's put into the idea of like, oh, we'll, we'll work out how to make money on it later.
1: Yeah, a lot of people do think that way. Um, it's interesting because the people that we advise, typically the number one thing they want to do is get more downloads. And uh, there's a lot of smart marketers we work with as well who see the value in traffic and they see the value in emails and email marketing and whatnot, but they still want more downloads. I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's let's look at who you have already. I Guarantee you, you can find, you can bring some really good results out of the audience that already trusts you and that are already listening to you consistently. And all you got to do is, is you know, there's there's holes, or at least maybe if there's not holes, you're not asking them to take an action to the next step. Uh, so it could be call to actions on the podcast or on our blog post. Um, our best way that we that we capture our our podcast audience and get them on an email list is actually on the show notes page. So we have a little slide-in uh, thing that happens when you scroll down enough. Um, it's, it's basically notes that pair up with that episode. And that's our number one way to capture that email address of an engaged person. So and it's, it goes back to marketing. I mean, that's that's just from blogging days. All we did is just pair that up with podcast and, and boom, now we have an audience that's interested. We tag them. Hey, it came from the podcast. Cool. <laughs> Let's send them more podcast stuff. Yeah. It's it's yeah, really that's interesting.
0: It. You and Matt do a great job of basically encouraging people to go to the show notes page. Like You mm. very much set up your podcast where it's like, hey, there's more stuff. There's a benefit to you coming and getting the show notes. Then you wonderfully use Convertbox, which mm-hmm. I hope you're enjoying my affiliate commission because I bought because <laughs> I loved it. Appreciate um, that. <laughs> I quite enjoy Convertbox as well now. I think it's fantastic for the way it's done. Um, And then getting people to opt in to kind of connect those dots and uh, offering premium show notes and a whole bunch of other things on the back end. Um, I'd love your opinion on, like, obviously, you're working with a number of podcasts. What do you see as the best ways to profit from a podcast or the strategies that you've seen work best?
1: Yeah. So uh, there's, oh, man, we have something like 20, 25 different ways that you can profit and, um, so what we we enjoy, and we haven't even mentioned this too much, um, we have this thing called the invisible podcast funnel that we we kind of talk about, but we kind of don't. But essentially, the way that we love to make a direct ROI or pretty direct is having the newsletter. Um, so we actually have a physical newsletter we send out in the mail and you're, I just found out you're a subscriber. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we ship it worldwide, you know, even from uh, America out there to Australia. So it's, it's awesome. And so what that is, is it's all derived from the content on the podcast. And so the podcast, we have a note taker taking notes on that show. We pay about $50 or so per notes. I'm sure we can get that cheaper, but we're happy. And that becomes our opt-in for the actual show. So uh, in the call to action on the top of our podcast, we'll say, go to hustleandflowchart.com slash comp and get the notes. They're free for about two weeks. And after that, they go away and they get locked in our vault. And that vault essentially is the the membership area uh, that people pay $15 a month to be a member of. and as part of that whole membership, they have a physical newsletter shipped to them monthly. And our cost on the newsletter is roughly just over $5 average uh, print and shipped worldwide. So there's a little bit of profit baked in there. But the idea there for us is we can now we have the attention not only on the podcast, not only on the email, but now we have them offline. So we're kind of balancing people around their attention, but we're keeping them within. You know, within our ecosystem, I guess you want to say. And so we can
0: cross sectioning your hyper engaged. So it's Mm -hmm. like it's the same person, but they're listening to the show, getting that physical newsletter, and uh, probably reading your emails you send them as well.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And then when we ask them to act on something, uh, like the other day, we, uh, I think it was yesterday, Matt sent an email and said, Hey, we're, we're shutting down our. Temporary, I don't know what we're going to do yet. But right now, it's a limited time. We're selling our podcast training. And uh, I had something... It was an email that had no link. It was just, hey, reply to Joe, and we'll get back to you. I had something like 60 or 70 people reach out almost immediately. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And you know, that's also an insert that we'll put inside our newsletter. So that will then drum up opportunities and you know those can can turn into, uh, and this is for any anyone listening. Uh, you could pair this up with an offer that you already have or a service. Um, you could do it for an affiliate offer. We do that all the time. So and and also sponsorship opportunities. We put all of that inside the newsletter. So it's uh, you know like you said, you have a hyper engaged audience pool that's actually paying you, but you're getting attention all over the place, and now you can just kind of almost add little elements that allow you to ROI even further. So the $15 a month, dollars a month, that's definitely not where the money's made. That's just to pretty much cover the costs because we do other marketing to help solidify that as well.
0: Yeah. I imagine it's a bit of a loss leader considering you've got a writer, cost of production, Mm actually time putting the show together. But nonetheless, I, I, I'm a really big fan of, I don't know if it's still called this anymore. I don't move fast enough. Is it tripwire is the word? Maybe?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Um, I I, I think that's phasing out now. (laughs) It was a bit
0: sleazy, so I'm glad it's moving out. But um, I like the idea of like a lower commitment just to segment who are the people that are really digging our stuff that have the opportunity to do more with or that Mm. are the right type of people that we want to be working with. So I think yep. there's a lot of great oh, synchronicity. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I'm just kind of thinking about it differently here about like how well you're nailing the different elements. It's like online, offline, something physical, the audio component, like it's all coming together to really build a strong multi-channel um marketing engine.
1: That's it. And you got to think uh, you know, in your in your mailbox and physical mail most people are just seeing bills and junk mail stuff that you're just going to toss out or you're going to pay or you're going to hate to open and pay. You know, you have, you owe someone something. Um, Whereas, you know, ours comes in, I don't have a packet. It's all packed away right now, but it's actually a big envelope. That's, uh, you know, it's not folded or anything like that. So it's a larger thing that people literally they'll email us just at the beginning of the month, which is when we send it out. They're like, Hey, when's it going to come? I'm like, we're literally just shipping or printing it right now. So <laughs> it'll be there within a week. So it's the expectation for something like that's really high too. Um, so the stick rate for something like that is, oh my God, it's 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 crazy. It's, it's very high. People don't really leave. Once they're on there, it's a, a lower level, like you said, and it becomes a habitual thing is what we've found.
0: I would add you guys continually create great content. It's not like you've got them in and then stopped doing the work. So I think you've got to say like, just hedging that is like, yes, they come in, but they hang around a long time because Mm. continuation on making really quality content, I think is there. And I I definitely stood out in my mail that there was a massive envelope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can't ignore that. Yeah.
0: Well, Joe, I mean, what's next for you guys at Hustle & Flow Show and what are you focusing on in 2020?
1: Yeah, no, this is exciting. So we've... 2019, it was very successful in its own regard, but also we noticed we got distracted quite a bit in more of the last five months or so. And, you know, of course, had a baby, lost my dad. So I had some personal things too. And that definitely had ripple effects uh, within our whole company. Uh, Matt was affected as well. Uh, but saying that, it's a, it's almost like you know finding the good in everything is that's allowed us to really focus on what matters most to us. So we do, we've done a lot of audits like towards the last of bit of 2019, and realized you know affiliate marketing has always been our bread and butter. We've always been. Great at selling other people's, uh, typically it's software or some kind of tool, not info products, but we're, we're typically getting behind always something that we use um, that we could be kind of like an evangelist of. Not too many things, about five or six different offers. And then just pre- creating great value around that and, and just pairing people up. So we're going to do a lot more of that. Scaling the podcast is huge on the list because we know that drives everything else. It's like this kind of just trickles into everything else that we have. Courses, to be very honest, this is why I mentioned like the whole podcast course thing. We actually are going to phase that out probably within about six months officially. Just because of the focus thing, you know, we, we love it. We absolutely love teaching podcasting and we're not going to stop doing that. But in terms of uh, using that as a, uh, you know, as a a key piece of revenue or or a place that we put our attention into, we've just realized, you know what? There's a lot more leverage if we create more content, higher quality. uh, You know, now I'm not saying just uh, podcasts, but also blog posts and guesting on more shows, and really just expanding the platform further is what we're focusing on. And then on the back end, our more affiliate uh, offers and ways that we can really deliver value that way. It's kind of like building more of a platform is what we're focused on this year.
0: Isn't it interesting that um, it's fascinating to me is like, actually doing a podcast, I'll be real, isn't that hard?
1: Mm -hmm. like
0: it's not, but where I think the nuances are where you guys shine is actually how you create the ecosystem. So I don't know Mm -hmm. what word to use, but it's like you guys will say, Oh, it's a podcasting course, but actually it's, Oh, hang on. This is how you make it as a blog post. or this is the opt-in or this is the profit strategy. There's so many courses out there on like how to hit record and publish on Libsyn. And, um, honestly, I reckon you could almost get that for free on YouTube these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's that whole ecosystem, and where I think you guys offer immense value. And um, looking forward to digging into this course myself at some point. So
1: oh, yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, and that's—it's always been the platform. Whenever we take our eye off the platform, that's where we realize, oh, things dip a little bit, or maybe we start working too much. You know, that's what we found ourselves towards the end of the last year. Is we're like, wait, why are we doing all of this stuff? It's almost started stacking too much opportunities come at you when, uh, when you're getting more visible and you know, you're know you doing some really interesting things. That's, so the filtering, uh, saying no more and really passing the filters is going to be for us in 2019 and sticking to it. I had some good feedback from our buddy, Josh Bartlett, who owns uh, Thrivecart. He's out in New Zealand. And he was like, Hey, for focus, whenever you feel like you have this thing, you know, pass it by the filters. And then um, and then give the idea away to someone else. Like post on social media or pass it to a friend. It's like you're giving good karma out there. You're letting that thing live. I saw Matt just recently on a blog post, or I mean a Facebook post. He's like, Hey, this is a great idea for a a podcast. Someone should do this.
0: (laughs) And if it works out, you I mean, you've of course made a good friend. So uh, I think that's great. Yeah.
1: Could be a new business. So that's that's what we're doing this year. And uh, pretty excited.
0: yeah. I'm thrilled to hear the focuses on podcasting from here. Now, I mean, where's the best place for guys to come and check out more of your stuff, stuff and this whole ecosystem of podcasting that yeah. you've built?
1: Yeah, yeah, the ecosystem. So the podcast and everything lives at evergreenprofits.com. That's that's like the home of everything we do. And um, I'm actually going to say a link that Matt used when he was on your show at the first episode.
0: I like the prep. <laughs>
1: And I believe it's the um, it's actually the uh, the traffic book because we everything we do is is wrapped around content and traffic, and then basically with that comes conversion later on down the line. So um, a good place is hustleandflowchart dot com slash podcasting uh, would be a good place to go grab that uh, for free, and um, you can kind of see some of these strategies that uh, that's more of Matt's. Wheelhouse is like nerding out on all these different traffic sources, and it's really cool. But that feeds our business as a whole and the podcast as well.
0: Sensational. Now, to the people that are listening to this podcast, we'll include the links, of course, for you to check this out. But my own recommendations, of course, please listen to this podcast. I think it's really well done. But the things you should be paying attention to is one – I think the interviewing dynamic of matt and joe as a co-hosted show with a guest is done well so if you're someone that works with a co-host or you are intending to do it i think this is a shining example of it done well and bringing uh, unique value to the episode itself but then the second component is just opt in to everything and just watch it unfold because um, this ecosystem is one that I think is done at a really high standard, really, really well put together to give you an idea of like how the pieces can connect between a podcast and an email list and they practice what they preach, certainly um, extending some praise. And then last but not least, now Joe, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't want to send everyone towards your dream 100 list um, from there, but if people up into your list, will they see that dream 100 list um, or that attachment or is that only in a certain place where, is that your personal email only?
1: That is a link I can give you. Um, so it's actually, <clears throat> I think at the top of my head, it's go.evergreenprofits.com slash dream100. That should redirect to that Google sheet. And, awesome. Yeah, and uh, you can link that up. If that link's wrong, just let me know. Um, I'm pretty sure that's right, though. And uh, I would say for anyone listening, just copy that sheet. Like Literally just hit make a copy. Just don't... Don't the only thing I ask is just like you yeah, actually put your own people on there, like take the moment to do that because I've seen, I've already seen a couple of people that I don't know, they're not customers of ours, so it's from going on podcast. <laughs> like and they just left it. I'm like, oh, come on! <laughs> so, yeah,
0: um, guys, we're big fans of modeling, not stealing. Um, yeah. <laughs> use it as a guide, please change it. But Joe, take it as a compliment, worth copying. Okay.
1: <laughs> I love it. No, I, I really do. I, I laughed at it. I'm not mad at it. I'm just like, ah, come on. I know you have your own people you desire to chat <laughs> with. I'm sure you've probably seen your website out there as well and a few other
0: things by now. You're Actually, do you know what? I've actually seen someone use the same style of thumbnail on a podcast.
1: Uh, so, yeah, yeah. And that's comes yeah, with that's quite a bit of things like that. There's a lot of modelling happening, we'll say.
0: <laughs> well, we'll link all this up. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast to dig into these topics a bit more deeply. We're going to wrap this one up from here. Thank you once again. This has been another episode of The Business of Podcasting.
1: Thanks, Charlie.